Welcome to another episode of Adoption, The Making of Me. I'm Louise Brown. And I'm Sarah Reinhardt. Make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as Adoption, The Making of Me podcast. Also, we have a Patreon page if you want to support us as we continue telling these important stories. You can find that at patreon.com and search adoption colon the making of me. Again, that's patreon.com search adoption colon the making of me. And please remember to subscribe, share and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Sarah. Here we are again. Yep. Chapter review of the primal wound. Nancy Verrier. Yes. So I feel like we can say we know now. We know Nancy. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. All right. So today we're discussing chapter 11, adopting older children. And this was fascinating. I love this chapter, actually. Yes. I related to it, even though I wasn't adopted as an older child. I related to it from teaching and having kids from foster care in my classes and some things that went down. I was like, boom, boom, boom. I wish I had this book years ago, once again. Okay. Well, and she start. has that whole section yeah. about teachers and like it how did. you can be, because I was one of the, for me, I think it was what I related to was the problems have been exacerbated by repeated disappointments and failed attachments. Because mm-hmm. I think in my circumstance, my parents divorced, my mom leaving, my dad being in his own thing, getting remarried. Like I, in a way that, similar to, I'm not going to compare myself to being in foster care, but just the lost attachments. No, I thought, I thought that I thought of you during some of this reading, like, oh, that's, that's sort of what Sarah went through in a different version. Mm -hmm. I actually thought the same thing reading it about you. So that is true. So she starts off saying, uh, okay, so although the issues for adopted children are the same, regardless, like, yeah, infants to adults, she gets into, there's a whole nother set of attachment problems. So adopted parents are going to adopt an older child, huge decision. She gets into that. In addition to attachment problems, adopted parents or children may face abuse inflicted by members of their family or origin of their foster family or both. These traumas place a great deal of responsibility upon the adopted parents for understanding, compassion, and restraint in dealing with difficult behavior. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, this is a long chapter, so we won't spend ages, but I felt like we could spend ages because she gets into so many aspects of it, of taking care of the child by not overtaking care of the child. I mean, you can't force your love on this child. And they're going to be skeptical of that anyway, right? You know, they're going to be skeptical. and, And the more they're hurting and lashing out at you as an adopted mom, I was thinking about myself, how would that feel? you bring this child in, you're so excited, you know, I want to love them, hear her and have this wonderful life. And they're like mad at you because they are transferring all sorts of stuff. And they didn't ask to be put in this position. I thought that was good. Yeah. And they, you know, they've already had, and and their trust issues are monumental. Like, oh, what makes you any different from anybody else? You know? Right. And it does say many parents of older adopted children, even if they don't want to admit it, have some kind of missionary zeal involved in these adoptions and yeah, are then surprised and disappointed and angry when the child isn't grateful to them. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. The, and why is again, that narrative of us of adopted, we, us adoptees should be grateful. Yeah. You know? And especially these kids because they've been right. 
in a one foster home, many foster homes passed around, unloved, maybe abused by their original parent. I like maybe abused she, by other foster parents, you know, foster parents and, and abuse can be other things. It's not just physical, you know, there's verbal. I like the part that she got into that the children may have, they may want to fit in with you, but the more they want to fit in with you, the le- the more they're going to reject you. And it's very important for the adopted parents to have a, just listen, not talk about their, not insult their biological parents, not ask really about them. They may have very conflicting feelings about that. And also about their foster families, just listen and then let the trust build by doing fun things, having routine. Mm-hmm. Routine is key for key. They said routine is safety. It's a control thing for them to feel something's in control. And when they're acting horrible, I thought this was good, even for teenagers, not just kids who are adopted. When they're acting horrible towards you, they're trying to have control because they feel out of control. Mm -hmm. So you have to restrain yourself. They can be yelling at you. Curse words are just words. I like how she said that. They're not, they're not, they're just anger manifesting. What the hell, Louise? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you can see some parents, but we don't talk like that. Well, yes, yes, yes. This is anger bubbling up and coming out and hurting. And it's just words. It's just the word that it's it's pain masters anger. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't shame them. And And I like this talking about school, right? Because right around, I think my kind of academic life went downhill as things went on in my own life. Yeah. And it wasn't that I wasn't smart or. I can attest for that. You're with it smart. <laughs> yeah. It's just that I was in such trauma and chaos. And so yeah. school can't be your focus. Yes. Cause it said, you know, it says, it says that like children who feel, feel abandoned, fear abandonment and keeping this from happening again takes energy and concentration away from academic pursuits. Yeah. I like how she said it when a child's whole feeling is to be safe. And like a little bird, she described the bird. I That's like what that I was part. just pointing out. I put birds. Yes. Oh, you did I me love, too. Yeah, because like, I love this analogy. To get an idea of what this hypervigilance is like, watch a bird pecking in the garden. Notice how the bird is constantly lifting up its head and looking all around for signs of danger. This is what it's like for the adoptee. Yeah. On the, and so you're not, I mean, school, she said adopted parents need to lower their expectations of, they can be uber smart and great at something, but they may not be coming home with the test scores and the homework skills. And you need to lower that expectation, not, not don't have any goals for them, but help them and just be like, you know, that's not that important in the scheme of what's going on. I mean, the health of the child is far. I saw this a lot. Like I was telling you when I was teaching, I had, and I was young, I was teaching in the inner city when I was in my young twenties. So I'm coming in at very novice. And I, Thank God had a man who helped me at school because I had a couple of kids who were really acting out and one kid was ruining my classroom. I'll call him Jerry. That's not his name, but Jerry was ruining my classroom environment. And of course I want to kick him out. You want to say, get out. It's middle school. You want to say, we were ninth grade then middle school. So he's a big guy, big kid. Okay. Like towers over me and mean and the other kids are scared of him. And I just want to go get out of my classroom. And I had this wonderful man who told me, you know, Jerry's been passed around house to house and just don't embarrass him anymore. That's his Mm. biggest thing. Mr. Abraham, if you're listening, thank you. It really helped me. So I made Jerry my security guard for the classroom. I was like, Jerry, the kids, they really look up to you and they're scared of you. And 
you know, can you help me get everybody in the door by the time the bell rings? No more hanging in the halls and make everyone's all oh, it was like that is amazing. Was, it just was what a great him. story. And, and then I found out how smart he was. He just didn't have the skills. No, he had been passed around so much as schooling was off, but he's so smart and cute and loving. And I just went, I wanted to take him home. I was like, who's loving this kid? And he did have a good home then, but I'm sure those parents were dealing with a lot. I can't, because he was coming from so much hurt, I found out. And I only knew this from Mr. Abraham, who's so wonderful. It's like, I feel like if you adopt an older child, you need to talk to those teachers too. Yes. Have those meetings, like, please. Yes. So that they know. Where did it say something about the daydreaming? Uh, Many adoptees are easily distracted and do not seem to be paying attention in class. The daydreaming that many teachers complain about is an altered state of consciousness often associated with trauma victims, which these kids are. I was a giant daydreamer. And I I would sit there like as I do here with my hair (laughs) and just stare, you know. Living and in my thinking own world. you're living in your own world because that's your safe world. That daydream exactly. is where you're safe and you can create and you can think of a, you know, you're an aster, by the way. So you are thinking of a. <laughs> yeah, not, not yet. That wasn't until I moved to New, <laughs> oh, New York in my 20s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I was the princess. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's very, that's when you, that's when you're safe. And it's like, we, we think, oh, they're just zoning out, not being smart. I mean, I've heard it. I wasn't a teacher very long, but I heard it from other teachers, what teachers say, not, you know, wonderful teachers out there and they have a hard job. So this is all education, all this stuff. You said at the end of the chapter about the main thing is continuing the education and the dialogue of everybody. And did you like this part? She does talk about the mother's going to take more of the thing. Yes the heat. Yes. And that mothers that adopt older children need to have self-care going on for themselves. And it's not selfish. They need to take time. They need to have groups they're in friendships because they're going to get some stuff because the wound is between mother and baby almost always. Yes. Here. I thought this was great too, that about telling the adult adoptee, you know, that their parents need to heal too, you know, and this is something I'm trying to think of like with my mom and the evolution of our relationship and her listening to the podcast and, you know, what she must feel. And I thought that was a great kind of wrap up. I do too, because we always, I mean, I know this when I was growing up adopted, you think of yourself selfishly, I'm adopted my feelings. And now that we're older and I'm like, Oh, I wonder, you know, how my biological mom felt. I wonder how my mom felt. Was I able to, see that the whole thing there, like having grace for everybody in the triad, really. Yeah. And and she does get into the fathers too, because fathers are going to have their own battles with this thing. And that fathers also have to be the support for the mothers because Mm -hmm. she said, you know, most of the time the, the harshness is going to come out more directed at the mom. I thought that was, it doesn't matter if you're adopted (laughs) or not adopted. The mom gets the brunt. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, Hmm, that sounds kind of familiar. Yes. <laughs> you know, in a, in a way that's like, I look at that as a, because moms are safer to get mad at maybe, or, you know, I, yeah, maybe, I don't know. Well, there's not, I mean, the, I just think, you know, Becker could, Becker could let down his garden, just be so mean and mad, but because it was safe, he knew he, he, he was yeah. safe doing so. 
in general, I mean, women may be safer because men can be harsher when they're mad. And it's scary when you're a kid. I remember when my dad would get mad, it was much scarier than when my mom would get mad. We were like, Ooh, we've crossed the line, right? With my mom, I'd be real. I was horrible, horrible. (laughs) Sorry, mom. (laughs) This today feels like one of our days on the ice cream truck, doesn't it? Yes. But like where we would just chat and chat and chat. We had a lot of downtime. Yes. On the ice cream truck. A lot of downtime. <laughs> Sitting on the cold between, freezer. Like, nice I just I just had a memory pop into my head of that man getting mad. He banged the screen ball against the <laughs> the truck. Sorry, sorry, listeners. You don't on our truck we made our own product called a screen ball, which was ice cream dipped in chocolate. Trademarked. And then flash frozen. So they were really, really frozen. Trademark, yeah. Screen balls. We were the scream team. We had a, a, a shirts that said we have balls. But anyway, one day some man came and he complained that it was too cold, too frozen. And he banged it against the back of our truck. <laughs> Scared the heck out. We're like, wow, ice Hope cream he- is going to make you that mad. And we're like, hope he doesn't go on Yelp. <laughs> we had a hard time getting the the ice cream to stay on the stick. So it had to be really cold for that ball to stay on the stick. Yeah. Very funny. I mean, but just to get so angry over ice cream. <laughs> he might've been adopted. I think may, yeah, I know. I, was just, I think that was misplaced anger. <laughs> Maybe we looked right. like his birth mom. <laughs> well, we need to wrap this chapter up. But, yeah. But Nancy, good chapter, actually. If, if anyone is adopting an older child or has, or you're in the midst of it, or you're a teacher of kids that you think have these, you should read chapter 11. Cause it's, we're really only scratching the surface. It was very informative actually. Very. And now we have a guest coming up and she's super interesting. You'll find out shortly who she is. Can't wait. Yes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Louise and I talked about it for months and we were intimidated until we heard about Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Podcasting isn't hard. Believe me, if Louise and I could figure it out, anyone can. We got a mic, some headphones, parked ourselves in our closets, and that was it. Buzzsprout did the rest. You get a great looking podcast website and you can track all of your analytics to see how your podcast is doing. So if you follow the link in our show notes, it lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And bonus, you help support our show. So before we get started on our episode today, we just want to give a shout out to our Patreons. We are so grateful to you guys for supporting us and giving us all the love. And here they are. We have seven, Sarah. We have Laura Christensen, good friend of Sarah's. Thanks, Laura. A special friend to the show that I'm not allowed to mention who we just adore. (laughs) Linda Pivak. Thank you, Linda. Blonde Records. I wonder who Blonde Records is. We need to investigate that. Yes. Ramona Evans, my dear friend growing up. Ron Schneider, friend of Sarah and I both. And John Fry. He's our past guest and friend of the show. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thank you. So excited to introduce our guest today. That She's unusual in that she's not an adoptee, nor has she adopted. 
adopted, but she has a really unique connection to adoption. And she reached out to us having found our podcast. I'm going to let you tell us that story, mm-hmm. how you found our podcast. Yeah. So here is Nikki Stonell. She is coming today from South Africa. Mm-hmm. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm so excited to be part of this. And yeah, I find your podcast because I work in the world of adoption and mainly with children that are waiting to be adopted. And I just have in the last year or two, I really wanted to know more about how how do we better care for the children and the babies that we're looking after? And, um, you know, how can we look after them and help them be better prepared for their families And I really have gotten into podcasts. I have a nine month old daughter. And so the time to read books and like sit and focus on that, it just doesn't happen. (laughs) So I've really gotten into podcasts and I was like, maybe there's something about adoption. And I think yours is one of the only ones actually that I really found. I know there might be one or two others, but, uh, and then I started listening and listened to all your content in like a week. I think I found it back in, must've been August. And I was so excited and I even emailing you, I was so nervous. I was like, they're probably going to think I'm this crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Why, why would you want to talk to us about adoption? But yeah, it just is, it really is an honor to be able to even be interviewed by you guys. Well, thank you. you. (laughs) We're we're excited to hear your perspective and because Mm. so since you've been listening to the podcast and I guess it gives you a big, better end, you're a Mm. mother to a nine month old, a better, an Mm -hmm. understanding of that primal wound of separation and mm-hmm. do you see that in your work and mm, yeah so what I do is I run a, a baby home here in South Africa I've been living in Johannesburg for six years and I run we kind of do two things we first of all do a lot of awareness and prevention and so we are meeting moms like right where they're living we have a lot the majority of the population here is well below the poverty line. Mm. And so we're dealing with people who are living in very desperate situations. And so we try to speak to women once they've fallen pregnant and say, listen, like we understand this is very scary. There's a lot of cultural stuff that goes around women um, wanting to give their babies up. Or we have a big, big problem with baby abandonment here in South Africa. And it is it has a lot of cultural ties to kind of this like this baby's not going to be accepted. I've, I've been shunned from my family. If I just leave the baby and dump the baby, it'll be fine. So we saw that as a, as a huge problem. And we said, okay, well, how can we better counsel these women, walk alongside them and, and help prevent babies being abandoned. And so we do that. We do counseling, we do crisis pregnancy counseling. We walk through the process of adoption with the mom's and help them. We even have been able to help them sometimes reconnect with family and then they and their baby are able to go home or help them keep their, their baby and that kind of stuff. And then on the other end of it, we run a home for abandoned and and babies who have been signed off for adoption. And so kind of coming into it, I honestly, I didn't, everything. This is what I'd be doing. I came into it because I really love the counseling side and being able to advocate for these women and say, Hey, like there's gotta be a bigger picture here going on. Then now with the home, I really love it. Cause I am seeing like some of the things you guys are talking about the effects of that, that tearing apart, that being taken away, we will have a baby who just is very fussy. We can't get them to settle. And 
part of it, you know, I always like was, well, maybe that's just who they are. They might just be, you know, because our personalities come out very, very young. Yeah. Regardless of what anyone tells me, <laughs> our personalities start showing themselves right around like a month old. I'm 100% convinced. But now hearing that, no, it's so natural for that to happen because that baby is trying to process that trauma. And it's really opened my eyes to like, we just had one of our, our little girls, she's a year and a half old, about a week ago, just was going through something. And obviously she can't actually tell us and verbalize, but it was just every little thing she was upset over. She didn't want to share toys. You would take her away from the lunch table and she was upset. And it just kind of clicked in my head that, oh, she's trying to process through something. She's been with us her whole life mm. up to this point. But obviously, and we just had an adoption in August and he'd been there for, you know, he'd been with us for two years and it kind of, for me was a, oh my word, she's probably trying to process even him leaving and, you know, and so she's trying to process that and how can we love her through it really? Because you can't sit down with a one and a half year old and say, this is what's going on with you. (laughs) You just have to love them and hug them extra and hold them a little tighter and just let them kind of have their meltdown sometimes. So it's been really cool to hear that. Like learn a lot of that, what you guys have been talking about and people sharing their stories of what they've been through has been so encouraging to me because I just often, we don't really get to keep up with our our babies unless their adoptive families come back to us and say, yes, you know, we want to know whatever we want to come visit. And so to hear adults now, like talking about their journey and what they've been through, it just like, it reiterates for me, just the value of each human being. And each person has so much purpose And so that what we're doing is, well, it's hard. It's so worth it because that person is going to go on to have their own family, to be a major player in the world, in their own world, you know, in their own hemisphere, spheres of influence. And so I really appreciated that. Like, I feel like it's, it's really taught me a lot about remembering that we all experience trauma, but man, a, a baby who's been taken from their mom, that's. I mean, that's got to be the biggest trauma ever. I can't, I was really fortunate. You know, I got, I was raised by both my parents, but just trying to help remember that for myself when you have a baby that won't stop crying (laughs) and, you know, how do we love through it? First of all, it's like both Sarah and I are like cheered up listening to you, (laughs) thinking of the babies and your work. And I just, Mm -hmm. I want to say from that little girl, I want to say from both of us that what you're doing is just wow. I mean, thank you for doing this in the world for these babies and caring and like going down there and you were going to do counseling. Now you're running this home. I mean, you've yeah. found your, maybe you found your calling because how will you ever walk mm. away? Right. So mm-hmm. thank you. And trying that. to, trying to understand, you know, understand what the, like you said, not thinking, oh, there's a fussy baby. Everybody has their personality, mm-hmm. but yes. really understanding like what, uh, I mean, you, and probably that you're a mother too helps you mm-hmm. understand like if your baby had been mm-hmm. separated from you and the trauma of that. And mm-hmm. So the initial goal with the babies is always pretty much to try to keep them with their mm-hmm. biological mothers, but for mm-hmm. circumstances sometimes don't allow that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, when we start journeying with a mom and we start counseling, we always want to help her find family that can help support her. And when I was pregnant, I, my heart just broke even more for these women 
because I, I always knew it's got to be hard to make that decision and how scared they must be, you know, but then when I was pregnant, I'm, my husband and he's so supportive and we were so excited and he's from South Africa. And so his family's here. So we have a really great support system. I have great friends, my family in the state is so supportive but I still was very scared at moments because I was like, I know I help in the home and I help raise these babies. And, but now this one's on me. It's us. <laughs> like, uh, whatever happens with this child, it's, that's on us <laughs> who she's going to be. And then it just kind of started to click in my head. Oh my word. I can't even imagine you're 15, 16 years old and you're pregnant And your parents have said, you have to leave. You can't come back. Like, and it's still, there's a lot of shame, especially in some of the more traditional black African cultures here around falling pregnant out of wedlock. It's crazy to me because it's, it's so common, but there's still so much shame. And so I just, even more when, so when I got back from maternity leave this year, I was speaking with my team manager who does all the counseling and awareness and stuff. And I said, listen, I just feel like we need to really start focusing on these moms and just trying to really help them. And yeah, we want to help them find family. We want, we do want that baby to stay with family. South Africa in general, the government really pushes for that. And so we always try to help push for that. And then we also do recognize though, there are situations where, hey, like mom doesn't even have a stable living environment she's not stable herself. Like this just isn't good. We do, you know, we do try to kind of figure out the situation and which is the best avenue for them. How do the babies that you have in your home that are abandoned come to you? Do the community members know about or how does that? So the awareness side of it, like I said, we're working in the local, the government clinics and hospitals, and we have these very bright colored flyers I'll email, I can email them to you if you guys want to see it. But basically they say like, don't dump your baby. Please come and see us. We have what's called a baby saver on two, we have two of them, two different properties. And we're part of a really big network of people in South Africa who are all saying, hey, we recognize this is a problem and we're all going to work together to make sure that these moms have alternative choices for their babies. So through the flyers, it's through a lot of word of mouth. Yeah. People start recognizing us and, you know, those kinds of things. And then our babies that come to the home. So we've had a few of them this year come through our baby safe and they've been placed with us. But we also right now partner with two adoption agencies in Joburg and they are their private adoption agencies. So when they get a call about a baby from either a mom who's come forward, oftentimes what happens is mom will have the baby in the hospital and then leave. And mm-hmm. records aren't digital here. And so mom can literally give any information she wants. Like we've heard of false names, not even real phone numbers, all those things, address, and she'll just leave. And so that's another way, like one of the other ways that we've had babies come. Most of our babies have come through that route at this point. We are starting to see more that are coming through our center from our awareness and our counseling and stuff. So we have those two different avenues. It reminds me of the uh, fire department situation we have here. Mm-hmm. Ba- I forget what it's called, baby safer, or, yeah. you know, please drop. There'll be mm-hmm. no questions asked type of thing. But this is, thank God you're there. I like that the yeah. flyers are bright too. So people are like, yeah, see them and everything. It seems yeah. like the bigger, you know, broader issue at the end of the day is the shame and, yes. the, and the sort of 
antiquated way to look at sex with teen. I mean, teenagers, teenagers are going to have sex. End of story. Yeah. It's just hormones <laughs> overrule any kind of for the it's most like, how about part, birth so. control and <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But the shame. I mean, and then I'm sure later, later, mm-hmm. those moms are going to have sadness, a hole inside of them mm-hmm. that they're never going to be able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the hard thing is following up and trying to. We just we have not found any success in us going and trying to counsel or walk alongside them after they've placed their babies. I was going to ask that. Yeah, yeah, it's we just find that now you're looking at the same people who you gave your baby to and it's like reopening a wound. Yeah. Yeah. So we really have been trying like searching, okay, who, how can we do this? And so we've been trying to brainstorm how we do it and we have some ideas and it's just one of those, like, we just need to find the right people who are going to be open and willing and not, not bring shame in that situation. It just is very natural especially in the, the black African culture here is points everything back to shame. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's even just if you're, let's say like my daughter, they often say when a child's like just being a kid, when a baby's being a baby, they'll say, Oh no, they're naughty. I'm like, uh, but they're yeah. not naughty. Like it's right. just, she is like, she's just a boisterous, nonstop, always on the go kid. She's not naughty. Like, yeah, she cries when she sees me because she wants her mom. That doesn't make her naughty, but it's just, I mean, it's thousands of years of culture. It just keeps going on, you know? And the it, families, no, sorry, sorry. The families that are adopting them, do they all mm-hmm. live local or is this far? Like how mm-hmm. who's adopting the babies? So they really push, they really push for local here. And we've had, no, I just had the number. We've had four adoptions this year total. All of ours, but one have been local adoptions. And so either they're local, I say local South Africa. And so we've had a couple that have gone, you know, to places that are a little bit further out of Joburg. And we've had one that was international, but he was a special needs baby. And so for them to be put on the international list is it's very hard to get that qualification in South Africa because the government is so, you know, they just want them to stay here. And I I understand that. I can see both sides of the coin with that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to go on the international list, they have to have some sort of long-term special needs or disability. And so, you know, like fetal alcohol syndrome, sometimes they'll consider it. Down syndrome, any and who, sort of who adopts that's a pretty mm-hmm. tough thing to take mm-hmm. on. Like fetal alcohol mm-hmm. in particular, I know is very, very tough. Who adopts? I'm I don't mean that to be a cross question. No, uh, I just am curious. Yeah. <laughs> mm. That who yeah, so takes those, that kind of thing on. Mm. So those babies are listed in very often like the Netherlands, so Sweden, Switzerland, South Africa has a really good relationship in Europe. And so quite a few babies, because I, like I said, I'm part of a network. So I'll talk to other ladies and other people who are running homes and we kind of share stories and swap and whatever. And so quite a few will go there. This is, it's like the only case (laughs) that they'll work with America when it comes to adoptions, especially needs. So you do have quite a few American couples or families or individuals who will say, yes, like we'll take on special needs. And it's, it's something I always tell people is 
especially in America, because everyone hears about it here, you know, now, oh, they want to adopt from South Africa. Like, that's great. But here's how it's going to have to happen if you want to. Like, it's not just going to be perfect. There have to be very special circumstances. So it's hard. It is very hard, you know, to get I a lot actually of think that's, adopted. I think that's great that the country mm-hmm. wants to keep it local. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. and is that maybe in hopes that, is there ever a circumstance in which the adoptive parents know who the birth mother is? Uh, and that's what I was going to ask, yeah. Keep, ever keep in yeah. touch? Or? I don't know a whole lot about that, just from conversations with our social workers, because we don't do, I don't do the matching. I depend on our agencies and then we, you know, we work together. It just depends on what the mom, the birth mother has requested. And so I know some of them, they will know who the birth mother is. And there, you know, there are cases where it has been more of an, an open situation where they can have contact and back and forth. And then I know there are some moms who are like, I don't want my child to even know my name. I don't want the birth family to know my name. So it just depends. It's case by case, really. Yeah. But I don't know about records here. Like I've heard you guys talk a lot about closed records. I can only imagine it's impossible to get records here just because I was going to say, I think if it's not open, they probably could never find their birth mother. Maybe like this. Yeah. That's what's hard is especially when babies are abandoned. And so they're left in one of those safes or, you know, whatever it might be. Now, what we have to do as a home and we really strive to do is build a history and a background for that child, because unfortunately they're never going to really know where they came from. And so like we keep the clothes they came home from the hospital in. We, I build, we build photo books for them. So it's like, you came home on this day, you know, this is you at one month. And we, so we try to build that for them. So they have some sense of this is where I came from. And we always tell when they're adopted, we tell the families, you can always come back and visit. You can call like, you know, we're here for you guys as well. And we have to, unfortunately, we can't reach out to adoptive parents. They have to reach out to us first. And our very first baby we ever had, she was adopted in October of 2018. And now her mom and I are friends on Facebook. And I've run into her a couple of times because they're here in Joburg and they've come to the house once or twice. And so it's really cool in those instances because you're just like, yes, like I get to watch you grow up and this is so exciting. Um, How's she doing? Is Is she doing well? Oh, she's doing so well. She was adopted by a single mom and just, she's thriving. They just are, they're the best little pair. And yeah, she's so big. Oh. I can't believe it. Every time I see her, I'm like, you are just, you're, you're a tiny human now. <laughs> so yeah, it's really cool to see that kind of stuff happen. I love that you're building the history for them because mm-hmm. we, our last guest that was on, which you haven't heard yet, his episode hasn't come out, had no pictures of himself up from six yeah. months is when he started. And you think, you know, we have that, we have pictures of ourselves. I mean, that's mm-hmm. your history, right? That's your, so you're giving mm-hmm. them some sort of like who I am as best you can. It's so mm-hmm. it's beautiful. That made me cry. Yeah, <laughs> It's neat what, what you guys have, are doing in the whole spectrum, not just helping, but mm-hmm. thinking through the process of it. Exactly. Like that, that's, I think that's the most compelling thing about this because we yeah. didn't you know like i i just know when we were adopted in our age in that area in that time they weren't doing anything like that it was just mm. no counseling no anything it's so important it gives the babies a chance mm-hmm. having you know in an in an unfortunate circumstance it gives them the best opportunity mm-hmm. it sounds like yeah so how many babies do you have mm-hmm. on at any given time 
So right now we have seven. Our maximum number we've ever had was nine. And that was last year during lockdown. Uh-huh. We So when COVID started kind of hit here, we were about, I would say about three months behind the States. And so it got here around March and then end of March, they just like, I mean, it was, you could not leave your house unless you were going to the grocery store or you had to have, like, I had to carry around a permit to go back and forth to work. And, but in that, then obviously people are losing jobs and we just, all of a sudden I would get phone calls every two days. Hey, do you have space for a baby? So he started out lockdown with, I think it was three babies. And by the end we had nine. <laughs> and so wow. we like, tripled our numbers basically. But yeah, I still would say our average, we sit between seven and eight. We're cleared at the moment for 15. Am I personally, I, I don't want to go over 12 just because I see the more babies you have, no matter how hard you try, the quality of care does start to kind of fall behind a little yeah. bit. Uh, and we run, our ratio is one staff member to four babies. And a lot of that is that just the the government standard is six babies to one caregiver, which I can't, I, I remember speaking to a social worker who works for social development here, which is they're like the, they're kind of the child and family government service. And she said, well, you only need one staff member for six babies. I, <laughs> I was like, can you even, I said, how, how do you, how, like, <laughs> I was like, I don't understand how you can say that's okay and healthy. I really strive for a four to one ratio. And so it just, it's, they do, my staff are amazing. They are absolutely saints. I just, I don't know how they day in, day out, that's not puke crying tears, <laughs> oh. poop, like it just is, but they're awesome because they have such a heart for it. Um, and so we, for me though, over that 12 number, I just, I want to make sure we're still giving really good quality care and not just quantity, like the quality matters to me. So, and us as an organization, like we're, we're part of a bigger organization. And so it's just for us, it's, we want quality. Thank I God. have a weird question. Well, actually, it's a two-part question. One is, what's the average age of the baby that comes mm-hmm. in? And then I'm guessing they don't have names. So mm-hmm. do you or, mm-hmm. name them or how does that work? So the average age for us, so we get to set our admission policy. And our youngest is obviously from birth. And the oldest we'll take in is two years, depending on the case. It's a, It just kind of depends on what's happening there. But our average age, I say, I would say is probably two weeks is when we get them, especially if they're coming from the hospitals, they'll often stay there, which I'm fine with. Like, let's get them through those first two weeks and then coming in. And then the name thing, it depends. So if mom was present and then mom has given them a name. So we have a lot of ours now did come with a name. If they don't, then what we started doing is each staff member gets to pick a name. Mm. And I really encourage like a traditional African name that's easy for everyone to say, because <laughs> there are some names that are very, very difficult, Yeah, but we do like, we really encourage, I encourage them each. So right now I've had two of my ladies get to name a baby. And then, you know, so we're kind of going down the line, like who's been here the longest. And it's cool because they, they select names that mean something really important. Like one of our babies that came through in June, it was June, his name means thanks to God. 
And it's just kind of this, like, look, he was rescued, like saying thanks to God. So it, we get, we get to take turns. That's beautiful. Do do the adopted parents ever keep the name? Some of them, it just depends. A lot of them do change it. And what I, what's really cool is we have one little guy that was adopted and his parents took the name that he was given by his birth mother and made it into his middle name or his second name and gave him a new first name. So it depends. Some people, they keep it. A lot of people do change the first name. And we always kind of talk through how you do that, you know, because it's, you can't just start hearing their name. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can't just start calling someone by a new name, you know, so we talk about the slow progression and it's going to take a while. And some people, some adoptees are adopted parents adoptive parents are very accepting of it and they're yes like they'll do it and then I've had some moms kind of look at me and I'll keep saying that the child's name like well that's not her name anymore I'm like oh but it is <laughs> it is her name yeah so you yeah see both sides of it does your daughter ever come to work with you has mm-hmm. she met the babies mm-hmm. and oh yeah yeah she comes to work with me about three times a week uh, and I love it. I love she, all the staff there, we call them aunties. They all love her so much. And she is, she's the biggest extrovert I've ever met. And she just like, I'll have her in the office with me and she'll hear the other babies are awake. And then she needs to be there. She needs Aww. to be with them. And we have three who are over the age of one right now. And so during lunchtime, she wants to sit in the high chairs and eat with the big kids and like, so yeah, she's, I love it. I love that she's already growing up with a heart for, for this work. And if she doesn't decide to do it, I'm fine with that. But at least like, I love she's getting exposed to it. And oh, she's, she's meeting all different yeah. kids and people mm-hmm. and having, oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. How's the little My, girl doing now? The little 18 month old who was going through a hard time. She's yeah. This week was much better. We had to take her to get some ID photos done and <laughs> I, I had another baby's appointment. And so my co my manager, our assistant manager took her and she said she cried the whole time. And then the guy taking the photos was very suspicious. Like, well, why are you doing this? Uh-oh. You know, do, does she actually know you? <laughs> and he has such a good laugh. I was like, I really appreciate that he's, his, you know, he's aware yeah. of those things. And I was like, maybe next he's time. He's asking we'll the just... right questions. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, she's doing much better this week. She was in a much better space. And, you know, you can see she's a bit of the ringleader in the house. She's not the oldest, but she's a bit of a right now, for whatever reason, they don't want to eat chicken, which is like every child's favorite food, but they won't eat chicken. And so we're trying to like, and we found that it's because she doesn't want to eat chicken. So then the other stuff. (laughs) I love her. her. (laughs) Oh my word. Yeah. I so love I her. She like, sounds oh. so soulful. And, and I know. She does. Oh, she's, she's something she is. I love her. I think she's fantastic. But so I was like, well, we're going to try ketchup because what kid doesn't love ketchup? Like, <laughs> let's try it and see what happens. So it's just, that's the thing about the home is it's a lot of, we have a lot of structure and we've set, but then we're also so flexible to say, okay, this isn't working right now. We're going to bribe them with ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if that's is what there, it's going to take. Can you send any pictures uh, or is that, is it, you can't, mm-hmm. that's not. I can't. Okay. I can send you some of ours that we use for social media. Okay. Um, I would love to see them. We, yeah. I yeah but because they're in foster care, I could share, I just can't be shared publicly because it is, 
we have to maintain their yes. anonymity yes, because I totally they are in the foster that. system. Yeah. Yeah. So even saying their names, like I always have to be careful depending on where I am. You know, like, can I say their names? Can I not? So and it's, yeah. We'd love to see a picture of your staff if you have a staff. Absolutely. I do. But, and yeah. something, something maybe we could put up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, we're getting, we're, get, we're developing a page where we're going to have pictures of guests. Okay. And things and, yeah. And then, and then no, we'd love to, so cool. to have people it. go, yeah. And have people go, wow, those are those wonderful yeah. doing this work, you know? Thank you yeah. so much for the work that you do and, and yes. really trying to, understand the the babies and mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's i think is is really such an important step and and a step towards change mm-hmm. in adoption mm-hmm. something yeah. needs to give you know and yeah and sarah yeah. and i we're we're trying to do this com- we've been discussing in our lives personally that we'd like to continue on just beyond the podcast with mm-hmm. the conversation going about adoption and things and just mm-hmm. hearing what you said about the counseling afterward, because we're always saying, mm-hmm. oh, we would love there to be counseling before and counseling after. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I was thinking, oh, that that doesn't work how you mm-hmm. thought maybe it would. We can counsel mm-hmm. after. So that's just yeah. learning things like this is very informative for us on many levels, mm-hmm. too, because we're we're adopted, but we don't know mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah. really eye opening to talk to you. No, absolutely. And I love it. as like you said, the more we can educate people and the more we can get the word out, the better. And it's because I, I think there's still a lot of misinformation and yeah. a lack of education about adoption and what it is. And I, it's hard. I'm, I will never, ever deny that it's hard. My husband and I both, I really have a heart to adopt or to foster. I want to foster, you know, and before we got married, I asked him, you know, I said, do you, are you open to it? It doesn't have to be your passion. I'm okay with that, but I just need to know you're open. And he said, yeah, I am. And I said, okay, good. And he said, well, what would you have done if I said no? I was like, I probably would have broken up with you. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about this with our dogs. If someone doesn't like dogs, like you're yeah. out, like we've had that dating. We're like, oh, that guy's out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, so this is your thing. Yeah. 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 And so we, (laughs) even like speaking to some friends and some family about our desire to foster, it's kind of met with this fear and their fear obviously comes out in a, well, why would you do that? You know, why, why would you take that on and trying to be gracious to them? Because I understand they're fearful, but it also, then I get very defensive. How dare you, (laughs) but it is, it's trying to educate people because I mean, people are just, we're walking around ignorant to the fact that this is such a need and if like you can't keep saying that society is falling apart and be upset about it when you're not willing to do something about the one part of it like yes you know kids in foster care are so overlooked and forgotten here as well they're humans yeah here even I know in the states I have friends who foster in the states and I mean just the stuff they deal with and the stories they hear and and so it's one of those like help people get over their fear and, you know, help people be part of the solution as opposed to stop, you know, we have so many pregnant teenagers and well, okay, let's look at those numbers of how many yeah. of them were abandoned or were in foster care, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I'd rather be a voice of let's educate and get people yeah. on board. And if it means I'm going to fight you tooth and nail for you to even understand my perspective then okay, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> let's go to, let's go to the ring with this. So I like that. But what about, is there a, um, a stigma about being adopted? 
there or not? Like, I, I don't know if that's even. Mm. I haven't heard it too much, but I haven't really met. I think it's becoming a lot more accepted here because there are like our agents, our adoption agencies are becoming a lot more active on social media. So I don't think it's as big of a deal as it was. I did hear about a young woman. I think she was in her late twenties, early thirties, just in the last year, both of her parents passed away. It was after her parents passed away. She found out she was adopted. And now the family had come in and said like, Hey, listen, you can't have any of your parents inheritance because you were adopted. And so, yeah, I was speaking to a social worker. She was sharing the story with me. And now the social worker was helping, like trying to help this young woman go through this process of being able to legally be part of what her parents, you know, her parents estate and that those kinds of things. So I think it's just, yeah, it's like their daughter. I mean, yeah. for us, we're like, what? But yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> absolutely. When I heard that, I was like, this is ridiculous. So I think there is a bit of a stigma, but again, it's because people just don't understand Yeah, and they're afraid of it. And it's, there was a, a big company here, like a big meat company basically did recently did a commercial and there was something about, it was like two older brothers and they were teasing their younger brother about being adopted. And it was, it was supposed to be very funny. And, you know, and the little boy said something that really burned them and it was a zinger and whatever. But then what was really cool about it was that so many people started saying, Hey, like that, that was, that was not okay. Like that was not an okay thing to do. And then the groups that I'm part of, they're a part of this world of, you know, baby savers and, and advocating for adoption. They even basically like we put together a formal letter and we're like, Hey, that wasn't okay. Like that was very blind of you. Like that was very ignorant of you to make a statement like that or put out an advertisement like that when the country you're based in has such a huge issue with adoption and you're not helping move forward in, in the area of helping these children, you're, you're causing more damage, you know? And I think it's, I remember growing up and we joke with my sister, like, Oh, you're adopted. She's not. And I look back and I'm like, man, I was so dumb. Like, why did I think that was funny? But for some reason, I don't know what it is. Like when we were younger, it was a funny thing to joke about. And now I look at it and I'm like, that was so mean. <laughs> we we used to, we used to have that in my neighborhood and kids would mm. say it to me to be me. I was the little, there was tons of boys in my neighborhood. Everybody was older. My brother's older and they'd say it to me, but they didn't know I was adopted. And my brother would always look at me and we'd laugh like, well, she really is, you know, but they'd yeah. be like, she's adopted. She is a, this, why doesn't she play sports like you? Or it's just funny. And it, mm. it, I think it is a joke people used to throw out there, but it's not. It's more, like, you know, more yeah. in, in wrong jokes that we know now, like Polish mm-hmm. jokes or like things that just d- yeah. ridiculous. You, don't, you just don't do that kind of stuff. But, yeah. And a, and and it, a big meat company is still doing it on TV. It's yeah. Like, Gosh. And yeah. Louise, I can't remember if it was you. I think it was you that your mom, like your parents so instilled in you that it, it's such a special thing to be adopted. Yeah. And that I remember hearing that and I was like standing in my kitchen and I'm crying oh. just because I was like, yes, like if more parents can do that and not make it shameful. And although (laughs) the uh, adoptees and the, you know, and we're finding this out, like once they come Mm -hmm. out of the fog, right. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a narrative that maybe isn't the best narrative. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it does. It's, it's, it's a kind of a double sword thing to say to adopted kids. And, Mm -hmm. 
you know, you're special, you were chosen, isn't the best narrative. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that Mm -hmm. a lot of adoptees want to highlight that, you know, Mm -hmm. that isn't the best thing to say to them. It can go the wrong way. Yes. Yeah, I can understand that. It's been, it's, uh, my parents were very, I I was, yeah, I was lucky like you. I had both Mm -hmm. my parents in a very loving environment and they Mm -hmm. recently both. Well, both their adopted parents because. Yeah, my adopted parents. Biological parents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Thank you. It's been very, having them both gone now. I'm like, God, my parents, like, I really, Mm -hmm. I really scored. And Sarah and I talked about that, the sliding doors. I really, I really got very, very lucky. And, and I still have issues. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, what's a interesting, I think point about being adopted is you can be, and we all have issues. Okay. Let's, mm-hmm. let's get over that. But, but these issues, right. Abandonment mm-hmm. issues and, mm-hmm. and all of the self things you feel growing up where you are different and everything. Mm-hmm. I had them and I came from the best situation you can come mm-hmm. from. So it's important what you're doing, like the conversations mm-hmm. and building a little future or a little past for these kids and just giving and acknowledging them so their acknowledging yeah. their pain because acknowledging it is the pain. throughout your whole life as an adoptee you are going to feel a hole and some abandonment mm. there's no getting around mm. that so i think that conversation is probably the most key conversation and the adoptive parents maybe should be mm. aware to have those conversations i know mm-hmm. you're in pain we talked to a woman recently. I don't know if she's going to be on the show or not, but she's an adoptive mother and she's so aware and she'll, her, her daughter will cry. Her seven years old will cry mm. herself to sleep. And she'll say, I, you know, and she's like, why can't I have my birth mother? Mm. You know, it's important to acknowledge those feelings mm-hmm. and pain. And yeah. so, you know, cause adoption is always going to exist. So yes. if we can change that narrative and make and, and help those kids you know, and help the adoptive parents understand that trauma, I think is great. Mm. I did forget to mention, I work with Impact Africa here in Johannesburg. I just wanted to like, kind of give that plug. We're on social media. People oh, yeah. See. Okay, yeah. great. So when you, send us, when you send us your bio, you'll I'll put send that it in to there. You. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We'll, yeah, because we'll it's, get all that. Yeah, yeah, because it's a, yeah, it's a big organization and then we're just part of it. And so we do a lot of different things and then, I try on social media. I'm so bad at it. I said to someone else, like, I just need my own social media manager. (laughs) (laughs) There's all this happening, but you know, we all, we often joke that I'm the mom of eight kids basically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just, (laughs) you know, my mom, someone said to me last night at a birthday party, they're like, your mom switch must never turn off. I was like, it never does. (laughs) (laughs) Please give that little girl a hug from me. I'm going to be thinking of her. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I can just picture her little spirit. It makes me think oh. of the girl from the Queen's Gambit. Like, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. great. A little Thank bit you, like Nikki. you. Like <laughs> Thank you so much, Nikki. We really, no. really, really appreciate you. Really appreciate and, it. And it's your perspective is just so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank yeah, you. Thanks so much. It was nice to meet you. Nice to yeah, meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you guys as well. Enjoy your day now that it's just starting. Yes, <laughs> enjoy you. your evening. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we'll be in touch. Okay. Yes. Bye. Yes. Bye. 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 Wow, that was a really interesting Gosh, interview. Nikki. Yeah, that was a great. I'm just, we're both sitting here like, wow, what Nikki's doing with her work and 
what they're doing with the babies down there in South Africa. It's just mind blowing to me. It's beautiful. I mean, they're really in her having this conversation and listening to our podcast. It's like, wow. Well, and, and just trying to understand, you know, putting the baby's needs first instead, like we, we talked about this recently, I guess it's Nancy, didn't we about it's, or Nancy writes about it in the book, how it's, they pay attention to the birth mother and the adoptive parents and making it all about that, but never paying attention to what the baby is feeling. So I like that Nikki has gone out of her way to understand what is going on with the babies and how traumatic it is. And that's a first step, you know, towards, towards things changing. Yes. It was our last chapter in chapter 10. We were talking about that, how it feels okay for everybody, except let's focus on the baby. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She's doing the baby work. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. So another great interview. It was wonderful. I love our work. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, if you'd like to share your stories or suggest any guests for our show, you can find us on all the socials at the Making of Me podcast. And again, we have a Patreon page so that we can continue to bring these great adoption stories to you. So if you want to find that and donate or contribute in any way, find us at patreon.com searching adoption colon the making of me. Bye. See you next time.